Hi there, and welcome to Here's a Thought, the blogcast for people who overthink. I'm Jan M. Flynn, a writer and someone who overthinks. So, I get it. Sometimes you've just been around the voices in your head a little too long. So when that happens, I invite you to take a break from what's going on inside your own brain and check out what's going on inside mine. This week's episode, Lip Service. So there are things in life that we just take for granted, even when we pay attention to them, like traffic signs, mailboxes, gravity. And it occurred to me this morning, as I was looking into the mirror and making my daily peace with the effects of time and gravity on my face, that one feature we take for granted, even if we slather them with goop, is our lips. Now that we're in the season of gratitude, I suggest we correct that. After all, it's been a while since many of us have seen a lot of one another's lips, thanks to, you know, COVID and face masks. It's got to have been a rough time for the manufacturers of lipstick. Lips, at least in public, have mostly languished unheralded since the pandemic caused people to cover half their faces. But having said that, do a search for images of lips, and you'll be confronted with a plethora of voluptuous, pouting kissers, virtually all of which are obviously female, young, and glistening with gloss. That right there tells you a lot about the cultural associations attendant upon what are essentially curbs for our mouths. So it struck me, as I was applying lip liner, that besides all the sensual, romantic, and erotic aspects we attribute to lips, they are the facial feature that we perhaps most associate with humanity. The eyes may be the window to the soul, but lots of other animals, from camels to Bambi, have soulful eyes. And other species also have lips— especially the higher primates, which they use for many of the same things we do, grasping food and keeping it in our mouths, making facial expressions, and communicating. For instance, lip-smacking is a behavior seen in several primate species. Dogs have lips, too, but they're not articulated like humans, and they don't allow for suction of the kind that we use in sipping our Cabernet Sauvignon between slurps of spaghetti— which explains why your dog leaves those disgusting puddles around the water bowl, or toilet. But in humans, with our proportionally small oral cavities surrounded by lips that are permanently turned outward, our fleshy mouth borders play a big role in making us who we are. Think of the images of space aliens you've seen. Not cute ones like E.T., who kind of had lips, or at least a suggestion of them, but the scary ones. The less human they are, the more alien and rapacious the more lipless they are. And the animals we tend to feel the least cuddly about, crocodiles, spiders, T-Rex, they don't have lips. Birds have beaks that range from cute to formidable, so they get something of a pass, especially the parrot types, whose beaks may be pointy but also are curvy and somehow very expressive. At least they look like they're smiling. And consider cartoon or puppet animals. So if you're an artist who wants to give them human characteristics, especially female ones, what do you do? You add nice, plump lips. And long eyelashes. But lips. Miss Piggy, even, has some serious pout beneath her snout. Disney heroines have luscious lips, even if they live underwater. Meanwhile, the dastardly villains twirl mustaches above mean, fleshless mouths. And we all know that a thin-lipped smile never means anything good. Since evolution seems to have decided that we humans can do without the basic survival stuff that other animals come equipped with, 
like fur and cloths and teeth that are good for more than chewing cooked food, why the abundance when it comes to our lips? A 2015 article in BBC Future notes the evolutionary importance of human lips. We depend on them from our first breath. They form a crucial part of the ability to suck nourishment, a reflex that's so basic to our survival that we're born with it. We have that in common with most other mammals. But the unique architecture of human lips is, to a large extent, what makes human speech possible. According to Oxford Reference, the lips are one of many places of articulation that are necessary to the utterance of language. The lips allow us to strategically block the flow of air from our lungs so we can use our breath to form words. So try it. You have to put your lips together to form sounds like P, B, and M. You tuck them slightly behind your upper front teeth for F or V, and you purse them just a bit to make a W sound. This explains why whistling takes practice and why ventriloquism is hard. Fun fact. You know that groove that runs from the bottom of your nose to your upper lip, terminating in the cute little cupid's bow indent? That's called the philtrum, which is from the Greek for love charm. So, let's take a moment to appreciate our lips for their contribution to our ability to speak, eat in public, and survive infancy. What we most admire them for, however, is their sensitivity and how perfectly adapted they are to the act of osculation. You don't have to stop and Google it. Osculation is one of those words of questionable necessity that I like to throw around just for fun. It simply means kissing. Osculation is also a term in differential geometry, but who cares? Kissing, from a polite peck on the cheek to a full-mouthed snog passionate enough to awaken a sleeping princess, is almost, but not quite, a universal human practice. Darwin noted that certain cultures, like the Somali or the Eskimo, which as an identifier has been rightfully retired when referring to indigenous peoples of the far north, did not kiss. In some cultures, like traditional Thai, kissing was seen as an abomination, something like cannibalism. Now that Western culture has become almost inescapable, the kiss is more prevalent, even seen in public among the formerly reticent Japanese. But according to ScienceLine.org, there are still some human groups that don't do kissing, making up about 10% of the world's population. The geography, history, and possible biological implications of kissing is a far-reaching and fascinating topic, one which bears further exploration. But not right now. And not here. Since our lips are the only skin on our bodies that contain no oil glands, I need to go get on some lip balm, ASAP, or mine will get too chapped. So now you know the kind of thing that runs through my mind while I'm conducting my morning ritual. As for that 10% of humanity that eschews kissing, those folks don't know what they're missing. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Here's a Thought with Jan M. Flynn. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to help me grow my audience, please leave a review. Until next time, may all the voices in your head be good to you.